Welcome back to another episode of The Rum Shop. I'm your host, Joey Reeds. I hope you also enjoyed that saxophone introduction provided by yours truly. Kicking it with me in this episode is my man, Rob Van Horn. Rob Van Horn is a PR powerhouse, a former four-time, 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 four-time pageant-winning drag queen and one half of the podcast duo at Boyfriends Who Banter. Uh, me and Rob are going to be talking about relationships, XXX Extra Naked Affairs, Machismo, that's right, you heard that right, Chico, and masculinity as it relates to the two of us. So, enjoy, and again, thanks for listening. Episode 4 of The Rum Shop, I'm joined with my good friend Rob. Rob, welcome to The Rum Shop. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself. That's a loaded question out the gate. What's to say about me? Well, I have been friends with your girlfriend for quite a while. Shout out, Natalie. We're st- we still have another podcast to do with she and I where we hash out a lot of our, our relationship ideas, which actually I can get you to join in on it as well. Join in on. I want to I do the review show. Like, you guys record it. I'm going to listen to it. And then I'm going to do a review podcast of it and be like, okay, so let's break down what they said to each other. That could be dangerous, but I feel like it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think, I think we need that. Uh, she has a very strong opinion about some of the things that I have a very strong opinion towards, so I think you would be a good tiebreaker. Uh, <laughs> let's start there. Let's start there. Let's start with the relationships. So one of the things that I think of, and I think it goes across race, gender, age, I think there has to be an A side and there has to be a B side. I think there has to be somebody who makes the final decision as to where the relationship is going to go, and that usually is going to be the person who... I think is generally more happy than the other person in all aspects of life. And I think that if you have that person who can be the lead role in that aspect of the relationship, I think the relationship will be successful. What do you think about that statement? (laughs) I think there's a lot there. Okay. (laughs) Let's, let's break down what you just said. So first of all, so there's gotta be a side A and a side B. I totally agree. They should be, complimenting sides together making one mixtape you know yeah, but for sure shout I out the 90s <laughs> exactly <laughs> happy the person who is more ha- I, I would say almost turning it more towards content or aligned with their path because happy is tricky like i think what you're ultimately saying leads to a lot of like what happens if they aren't anymore like i'm a new bitch every single day like (laughs) i might be happy today and tomorrow it's a wrap you know what i mean like fair you defining that i think but i do kind of get what you mean there's got to be a person who has a vision and i think when it comes to decision making and moving a relationship along you need that one person that almost is good at doing the bird's eye view and being like you know, A to B to C, and here's how we're going to get there. Because as individuals, we don't always see it. And that sometimes can be hard because are you being in the moment or are you looking forward? Like that's always a a tricky part of a relationship. But you say, so in your relationship, sorry, we're going to go right there. I'm the A side. You're the A side. So you're the one who's happy and making the decisions, you think? I think so. I mean, I think there's like small little things that, you know, we obviously bicker about day to day, which is normal. 
Um, but I think generally, I think that in this particular relationship, um, I do think that I'm the happy one. And I think that I think the relationship stems from me first and then it trickles down to my partner. And that's not saying that she's not a strong, independent person, that she can't make decisions on her own. Uh, she loves traveling and she will literally tell me, hey, I booked Columbia and peace out. I'm going to go with my friends. That has nothing to do with the, I think, the overall arching theme that I that I built up in my mind. I think that if I'm happy and if I have direction and if I know what I want and if I know the things that I think will make us happy, she supports me 100%. So, I mean, over the last two, over COVID, if you want to call it, like call it from that point, um, I've had like three career changes. Mm -hmm. I went from being a musician and wanting to be super serious about it, and that's my love, that's my passion, I'll always choose that first. Um, she would say, yeah, sure, you know what, I'll book the room downstairs so that you can practice three hours a day and get that together. Uh, then I went into data science, I went into coding. She said, yeah, sure, no problem. I will give you my old MacBook so that you can get your stuff done and that you can be the best coding developer person that you can be. Uh, now I got into podcasting and she said, great, I will look up microphones with you and I will let you know what I find and I will help you to develop your brand. Um, and all of that is to say that if I am just sitting back, not doing anything, just basically being boring, I think the person who is like, you know what, like I got with you, I, cho I chose you, I literally went through the pile of people and ended up with you, what, what are you doing? If, if you don't have a sense of direction and if the other person is waiting for you to give that sense of direction, then you guys come to a standstill. And I think at that point, the relationship just fickles out. And I think that's when passion leaves, that's when emotion leaves, and that's literally when the relationship dies. So me, for myself, I know that I have ADD to the max. I cannot function on one thing. I can't focus on one thing for a long period of time. So I need to have that moment of switching from A to B to C, and I need that person who's with me to go along with that. I, mm -hmm. I've been in past relationships where people say, but wait, weren't you doing this? But wait, weren't you doing that? I hate and that. the doubt comes in, and then when that doubt starts creeping in, I feel like that's when it goes upwards towards me, and that affects me to the point where just it starts to become an abusive relationship. It starts to become a relationship that's gonna have a lot of arguments, it's gonna have a lot of non-contentment, and I think that's when it just dies out. So. Ultimately, I do think that there has to be somebody who's happy, who has an idea of what that happiness looks like, and who's willing to say, accept that responsibility of making sure that the two of us are going to be continuing on a path together. See, it's fascinating because what you said and what you described, if you put those together, then really, don't we all have to be side A in our lives and our partners need to be side B in our life? And then in their life, they need to be side A for them and we need to be side B. Because if you think about what you just said, <clears throat> you had these different careers that you wanted to go after and these different things, which I think is fantastic. And also I, I know a bit about some of the things that you've done and I think it's incredible. I think that her ability to support you in those things and be happy for you can only come from a happy person. Because at the end of the day, what you just said was that key line that I hate. But weren't you just doing, yeah, you know what? Life's really fucking boring. Um, True that. I may 
you know, I always say, let me live in my moment. Let me live in my fantasy. Tomorrow's a whole new fantasy, a whole new, you know? And so if you're doing something and you want to switch careers or you want to take a chance on something because now you're being pulled in this direction, if you have a partner that can pivot like that, they clearly are happy and secure in their life because w that support is saying, I don't need you to have a consistent career. I don't need you to find your lane and stay in it. All I need you to do is let me know what's going on in your life and let me be a part of it, either big or small, in some way. And to me, one, you being able to take chances and move on to the next thing, you know, you make it the joke about, you know, having ADD and not being able to stay in on one thing, but also it's you following your happiness. If staying in one Ooh. place is not going to make you happy, then in reality, you're working on being side A in your life. She's just a really good side B. And in her life, she's got side A on lock. So she has side B for you. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that's... And that is, you put the mathematical equation to my scientific hypothesis. I think that that's, a, I think that that's something that when you're in toxic relationships and you have a list of reasons why it was toxic and why it didn't work out, you get into a healthy relationship and you're like, oh, it actually wasn't all those things. It's just this one simple concept of let's be ambitious together, whatever ambition looks like for you. Like, let's not glorify, you know, working 12-hour days to succeed. Yeah, that's a one way of success, but there's a million ways. You know what I mean? But I think it's, I think what you're saying is someone who's happy, I don't feel happy is the right word because it comes with too much commitment. I think it's driven. You mm. have to have someone driven who has the vision. And I think that that is something I tell my husband all the time. Like I basically said to him on the first date, if this man gets in the car and he's the man that I've been talking to married, I'm going to wipe you up with him. Like I mm. knew, I knew it was going to go that way. And he was more, he had more reservations and more like, how long do you wait before this happens? Or should we, you know, what are the steps to get there? And I was like, let's just do that. Just, you know, sometimes you just got to look at your partner and be like, grab my hand. Mm. Let's just chase rainbows until one of them sticks. And I think that that is kind of what you're describing. And that's why I think the word shouldn't be happy as much as it should be like content and driven. Like you're content with your life and you know that whatever you put your energy to is going to be worth it simply for the experience. Mm -hmm. But you're driven enough to chase the rainbows you need to. And as long as you're both being that in your own lives together, unstoppable. Right. And I think something that I, another part to this uh, is the common I would say uncommon or maybe someone's never heard it before. They probably haven't because it's my hypothesis. But I always think that naturally it's not going to be easy, uh, especially if you want to consider yourself or if you, if you are going to be the B-side. Uh, something that always comes around, and this is something that I've, again, I've thought about. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that because I'm still trying to put it into a way that I'm sure you will be able to sum up for me beautifully as you did with the previous <laughs> hypothesis. But building on that, there's also a natural conflict. And part of that natural conflict, I think that will come up with the B side is the resentment of time. So the A side, usually who's going to be uh, the one that is pursuing the B side, usually the B side is going to say, okay, you're pursuing me, but now you've stopped pursuing me. Now I feel like you're so driven that you haven't given me time that I need from you. And then that brings about the word that I use, abusive. Mm -hmm. I think that when you're going to be the A-side and you're going to be 
quote unquote, the dominant person that says, okay, this is the direction that we're going in. This is what we're going to do. We're checked. We're locked and loaded. This is what you said that you're into. Let's do this. The B side starts saying, wait a minute. What about me? What about my time? What about the things that I want from you? How do I, how do I get this? I think that with the B side, there comes a point of abuse where they can start using things against you, where they can start saying, well, I gave this up. Well, I did this. Well, I do this. Well, I, it's that vindication that they need from you to take that piece of you, to feel like they're in control, to feel like they do have some kind of a, a certain level of, again, dominance within the relationship. Um, how do you balance that out? How do you use what's your take on what I've just said in terms of the B side? needing that control which can become somewhat abusive i think i've been on both sides of that like i you say that and i know exactly what you're talking about but i think maturing in that space is starting to understand that is it control or is it control to us Mm. you know what i'm saying like is is someone else having invested stock in any of your successes or any of your journeys? Are you letting that take away from you? And are you seeing it as a form of control or a form of um, ownership over what you've done? I think the words that we use to describe these things matter. And a lot of the times what I find is the first point of I want this because of all this, the I want, if you cut off everything after because, start there. They want more of your time. And and if they think that they need more of your time, just take a second and ask yourself, is it true? Mm. And and asking yourself if it's true is something that we often speak before we do that. We often answer because I got an answer for everything. Like, I'm sure you're the same, no doubt. And especially you like... You have to be in this world. You have to be. <laughs> and I mean, you are, you are, you two are like a power couple. You guys are like two people that I, I definitely think I could see um, power struggle coming at some point. And I'll oh, tell yeah. you, in a good way though, because listen, you, you, I always say, if you want a boring partner who's going to make you mac and cheese and sit on the couch and ignore each other. Like there's someone else. It ain't me. It ain't (laughs) you. It's not her. Trust me. But I think listening to each other, sometimes when we're chasing our dreams, we forget to prioritize what's going to be there if the dreams don't work out. And Mm. I don't think that you should go into something thinking it's not going to work out. But I do think the same way, if you can think of your relationship like a dog, literally like a pet that you love and adore. Yeah, of course you want to go to work and after work you want to go to dinner and then you want to go out with your friends. But you have this dog that you adore at home. You need to go home and walk them. You need to let them out. You need to make sure you feed them. You will schedule that time because you have no choice. Mm. And I think in relationships, when you start arguing over, you know, I did this and what about all these things and you're not making time for me or... Um, I feel like I deserve more respect here. Sometimes it is just simply a note and we blow it up into this whole, what does it mean in the bigger picture of things? Sometimes it don't mean nothing. It literally means in that moment, I want more time. You Mm. got time for all this, this, and this, but where's my time? And I think you would be surprised at how little you have to give to, to, to solve that. And Mm. I think we blow it up into the like, I can't work on my dreams and sit here and almost like 
pander to you because you're feeling some type of way. I'm trying to make something happen over here. At the end of the day, it's usually not that. It could literally just be in that moment. That's how they were feeling. Give a little bit. And the one thing I'll say, especially um, people who are supportive and loving, you usually have to give so little to get so much in return. And so Ooh. I, I, have to, I have to check myself sometimes um, and, re and remind myself, like, is this all he's asking for? If that's all he's asking for, I can. I have slayed dragons. I can do that. <laughs> and I think what we do is we get so fixed on our goals that we forget that that was our original goal. Hmm. Damn. I can, I can agree with that. I mean, there are. So I've been talking with with Natalie uh, about this ex for probably like months and months and months and months. Um, but we always come back to the fact that okay, she can basically be happy without me. Like, we've known each other for such a short time. I always tell her that I feel like it's, like, I've been dating her for 10 years when it's, I think it's been two. Shout out to Natalie. She'll probably fact check me on that one. <laughs> we'll uh, find out. <laughs> for sure. I might have to edit this part out. But, um, yeah, so one of the things that, that she talks about is the fact that, like, I can exist without you, but I just, it's, life is better with you. And that's one of the most comforting things for me to hear is the fact that like I'm not guilted into staying with somebody because of the fact that they'll fall apart or I think that they're somehow going to wilt away or they're going to turn into nothing. And then in return, they use that against you. Um, but sometimes there is just a fact where I just have to, you know, instead of staying at the office and coding, we come home and we watch a game of Jeopardy. Uh, I've, I've been killing her lately. I've been I'm crushing. Horrible. I've been crushing <laughs> Natalie in Jeopardy. Shout out, uh, shout out, uh, or R.I.P. Alex Trebek. Uh, <laughs> but it's been. But sometimes, like we just have that thing where it's like, okay, uh, to kind of like steady the relationship, to know that it's on course. Of it's that half hour game of Jeopardy, or it's that random Narcos thing that I like to rewatch a hundred times, and she'll sit there and watch it with me, just because she knows that that's what I do. I have this weird thing where I just rewatch old television shows like nonstop. sometimes it's comforting a hundred percent um but then there is a there is a thing where you know it can be too abusive like for example uh i cannot eat alone like i need to eat with somebody it's just okay. a thing that i have for my family i can't eat by myself so we'll be sitting there and i'll say you know all right i'm gonna start intermittent fasting i'm gonna hit the gym and it's gonna be great we're gonna both do it together she'll say yeah sure let's get on it uh, probably third day in, I'm like, hey, I'm going to order Uber Eats. Do you want anything? And she'll be like, no, I'm okay. And I'll say, okay, but if you wanted something, what would it be? And she'll just say like, no, you, you fucker. Like, I don't want anything. <laughs> and I'll say, all right, fine. But I'll order something. And I'll literally take my hand like I'm an Indian auntie and put it to her mouth. <laughs> and she doesn't even realize it. Like, I'll make a good joke. And then that's like my time. Like, all right, here we go. And I'll slip it in. And uh, she starts eating. And then halfway through, she's like, I told you I didn't want anything. I told you this. So, like, I do know that I, I have that level of, okay, I can slide this by. So let's let's do it. I know that, like, you know, if I have some ice cream, I can slide that by. I can, I can get her to eat with me. Even though she hates it, she absolutely detests it. But it's one of those things where, like, you know, sometimes you do need that little bit of that, that care. That little bit of, you know, I know, care. I know that this is, this is what – what I need for the both of us, I need you to be a little chubby person. Um, <laughs> you know, I need somebody to, to join in with me with that. So as long as it doesn't become 
too abusive, you definitely have to monitor both things, A, with yourself, and B, with the other person. So, like, now, for example, I'm back on intermittent fasting. I'm back hitting the gym. Um, I will make every conscious effort to not eat when I come home because I know for a fact if I eat, I'm going to make her eat with me. Yeah. And she can't say no to me. I've got charm for days. I got, <laughs> I got the high-rise <laughs> smile. I got the missing gap tooth. I got everything that it takes to get her to join, to join in on a dinner with me. Um, but now this will kind of segue into the next portion of this podcast. Um, so Rob is gay. Uh, I'm a gay. <laughs> He's a gay. <laughs> and my sister thinks that I am the epitome of misogyny, borderlining homophobic, borderlining just like somebody who needs to be canceled. I love, um, I love, I, I don't love that for you. <laughs> I just love that your sister will say that to you and be like, here's what you need to know about you in my eyes. I love that. We've gone into yelling matches about this and like, uh, we were talking a bit before. One of the things that I always hit her with is the classic, like, I've got gay friends. Like, you know, I, I, I'm in, the, I'm out here. They hit on me. I don't care. I'm not angry. I'm not upset about that. And uh, one of the things that I told Natalie, uh, so when we first started dating, uh, I met you. I met your partner. Um, and it hadn't crossed my mind that you were gay at all. So I told Natalie and I told my sister, this is an example, and this is probably a wrong example. I'm sure you will fact check me on this, but I have to say it because I have to be honest. No, we're being – it's a safe space here to talk. <laughs> we're good. But you guys are dudes, dudes who just happen to be gay. And that's how I've phrased it to uh, Natalie and my sister. I've said you guys dis- – whatever. Uh, I didn't want to use the word despite. That's stupid. But you're gay. Mm-hmm. You're men. But I would hang out with you guys. It's not to say that I don't hang out with gay people, but I just take away all labels with you guys because you guys are funny. I think you guys are fucking hilarious. Uh, we have great conversation. Time flies when we're hanging out. Uh, Love I, chatting. I fucking hate Uno, though. That game. <laughs> I got the works <laughs> at Sensitive that. Sensitive subject. I got the works at that game. They, they played, was it Flip Uno or Uno? Uno, it was Uno Flip, Yeah. It was a different version on Uno. Anyways, it got intense. But anytime Natalie and I are in the same room, and now you, I can clearly see it's it's (laughs) the same. You know, we like to play games. We like to win. We're a little competitive, so. And the, was it Taboo or Charades? Taboo. Taboo. Holy shit. I I have not taken so many L's in (laughs) games in a long time. So that that kind of made me feel a little self-conscious about myself. Natalie was in her glee at that moment. But getting back to the topic. Yes. Um. Dudes, dudes. So you guys are dudes, dudes. Being gay, I think, is just whatever. It ha- doesn't cross my mind, but yet my sister will still say, no, no, like, it's wrong because you use all these words and the, your approach and the way that you say things. So even the first, like, if you want to deconstruct, even the very first thing that I said, like, how do you feel about that statement? Is that statement something that makes you say, okay, let's fact check them? Is that statement something that makes you say, let's just slide by it? Or how, how does that make you feel to begin with? I think I think there's a few ways to unpack this. So we're we're, we're going to go through it. We're going to go Please. through it. But again, reiterating to anyone listening, I think I just want to say specifically as a queer person, like I think these conversations are so important. And I think that 
if you're not willing to have the conversations, you can't say that you're committed to change. Mm. And, and I think that that's something that's so important, regardless of what the end result is. It all starts with a conversation. And I think my grandfather, before I get into it, my grandfather taught me something very important. And he always reminded me that you should never be on your high horse because you are only who you are because of who your parents are. You could have been born to any couple in any country with any life. Um, your intersections just happen to be the luck of the draw, how your life was. So to be on your high horse and think, I know better and I'm so open-minded and I'm just like, you know, so respectful of everyone's boundaries. If you've never met anyone with boundaries, you would not know what you're saying. You wouldn't even know how many times have you had a saying that you've just said your whole life and then someone tells you the history of it and you're like, I'm going to remove that one. I'm going to start saying that less. So I think it's important to have these conversations. And for anyone listening, I'm just putting that out there so that we can get into it and just say it like it is. So um, the statement dudes do. Now, first of all, anyone who knows me that hears this podcast is going to kill themselves laughing that you just called us dudes dudes. Because okay. I can tell you. <laughs> I can tell you. We're a whole assortment. But <laughs> I think we'll start with your sister's perspective. I think we're where people can hear misogyny and even categorizing someone like that is we use terms like, you know, we're always trying to decide what's discriminatory, what's racist, what is, you know, what is a person's intersections and what language do you use? But ultimately the entire category can be just brought together by saying othering people. It's how do you other someone to, to make a point to say that they diverge from what is normal. And I think what a lot of people mistake is they use the word normal instead of using the word common. Mm. And if you really compare those two words, you know, someone like me, I, I uh, you know, my parents were divorced. I was raised by my grandparents. And so when I went to school, and this is like we're dating, like I'm almost 40. So, you know, we're, we're going back in time here. But when I was in school, I was one of the only kids who had divorced parents. So it was easy to say that I didn't have a normal family. But the truth is, I didn't have a common family. Hmm. Because everyone in my class, majority of them, their parents were married. There was nothing not normal about the fact that my parents were divorced or that I was raised by my grandparents. So I think a lot of the times where people get their backup is when statements make the assumption that there's the regular and then there's everyone that falls outside of that. So from your sister's perspective, calling me a dude's dude and that I'm someone who just happens to be gay insinuates that if you had walked in the room and I was barfing rainbows and wearing a crop top, you would have said, <laughs> even if you thought my demeanor was dude-like, and we'll use that word specifically, it would insinuate that him being gay is inconsequential because he wasn't wearing a crop top and barfing rainbows when I walked in. Mm. And, and so sometimes when people hear that, they're like, so what if he wasn't a dude's dude? would you have still said that him being gay was inconsequential? What if you had walked in the room and he had talked about his favorite positions in bed? Would you have said, oh no, when you meet this guy, he's like gay first, person second. Now, misogyny is definitely the root of a lot of this, but also you have, like you specifically are coming at it from a different perspective because you're meeting all these different people and you're a very um, curious person. One thing I like about you is you ask questions and you have opinions and that's, you know, so when you meet different people, if majority of your crew is not gay, 
when you meet a gay person, you're naturally going to notice that they're gay and comment on it, even if you don't mean to. And I think we, we can sometimes make that sound worse than it is. Going back to what my grandfather said, the only reason your friends aren't gay is because of where you were born, what your lived experiences were, and what your sexuality and gender happened to be. So really, you and I are no different. Mm -hmm. So dudes, dude or not, the question I would ask you is, what do you consider to be a dude? Ah, see? So now this is the thing where I I told, well, my sister, one, and Natalie, I consider a dude's dude somebody who just likes to talk about shit. So yeah. the first time that I met you, you were telling me, you know, about school. Uh, that was pretty rough. We were talking about just our school experiences mm -hmm. and how shitty it is and how hard it is. So that one, I was dying of laughter because you told me some great stories. Uh, the third one was just how you embraced what you are. So mm -hmm. when I met you at the party, uh, you mentioned the, the joke that you had, and now I'm stuttering because I'm like, fuck, do I say the joke? Do I don't say the joke? But it had me in tears, and I was dying of laughter. So the main thing for me was that I just described a dude's dude as somebody who I can sit, have a beer with, drink, and have a great time. That yes. was the definition for me. If somebody – and then we'll get to this word. If somebody is quote-unquote as I – say i tend to use the word sissy mm -hmm. that to me is not a dude's dude that's somebody who i would literally just say i can't hang with you because you're gonna fact check me all the time you're gonna keep on saying anything that i say i have to always censor myself i don't want to censor myself with the person who i hang out with if i consider you a dude i consider you somebody who i can show my true colors with i can say what i want and i know that it's coming from a place of a not harmful but also we're a place where I can be myself. I can be charming. I can laugh. I can be comfortable. Right. That's what I consider the dude's dude. And now before we go any further, what is your favorite position in bed? <laughs> you mentioned that part. It is. And it I is would have definitely <laughs> walked in and asked. I would have said, tell me about it. Let's get it. So what is it? Listen, I uh, let's just say, I don't know if I want to answer that. Oh, I Jesus. feel like, uh, what is my favorite position? Oh, God. I feel like. The right time and place, I like them all, just in a different order. <laughs> it just, just depends in a different on the order. What's all right? So what's what's your go-to? Like, what's one where you know you can throw down, where you know you're gonna give a great oh, orgasm? God, I mean, I I will say, and I I apologize, but I think any women listening to this will agree that you know men are not Rubik's cubes. <laughs> it is it is not. So if you're asking which position, I know all of them. I can throw down, <laughs> right. and I know all of them. And and you know, poor women have to deal with you know, the lack of um, interest and knowledge in, in figuring out what should be very simple concepts mm -hmm. on how to turn a woman on. Uh -huh. um, so I will say I don't have those struggles, but I will say that, uh, yeah, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm, I'm old school. I think I just love a good back shot, and I'm just going to leave it go. at that. Brap, <laughs> what about brap. you? What's yours? What's yours? My favorite? i got to be plowing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a missionary guy. I... They will, Natalie will attest. I said they. Natalie will attest that my, my missionary game is on point. All right. All right. And I'm a saxophonist. It can so be done. I mean, you know. I was going to say, you play the sax, so we'll we'll just let that speak so for itself. I'm triple tonguing. I'm double tonguing. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in it. I'm all in it. Oh, I wish I didn't know what that was, but I actually <laughs> do. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think 
everything, taking everything that you just said into context, I think what it is is, and, and I always bring this up for communities that I'm not a part of, because I think it's important, and I think we all have communities and intersections that we can't identify with or that is not our lived experience. I think the history behind what you're saying is, let's look at what you just said. All the qualities that you described can be inherently male or female. Mm. They can be man or woman. Okay, so when you talk about you don't have to censor yourself, you don't, a sissy in its inherent self, the way the word is typically used, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to, because when you use the word sissy in that context, what you're saying is the person will not get offended by the words that I am using, and they're okay to have a bit of banter and go back and forth. So imagine if you are a feminine guy, and, and I use the word feminine in the traditional sense of what society deems to be feminine qualities, regardless of what you believe, and I'm, I'm leaving my belief out of there, but in traditional f- sense of what a feminine male looks like, it's insinuating that because he's feminine, he's more like a woman. And because he's more like a woman, well, what do we say about women? Well, they're just uptight, and they're just raring. To, like, so mm. now... The misogyny slips out because you're like, oh, what you're saying is because you're a man and a dude's dude, you're strong enough to take one off the chin if you have to. Whereas a sissy man, well, he's going to identify like a woman. So isn't he just going to get his knickers in a twist about nothing? Mm. So then it goes down to who's the gatekeeper of what's being said. So I think we don't realize that we've been conditioned. At the end of the day, you've been condition just the same as everybody else just on different topics Mm -hmm. and i think where other people take issue is your sister's coming at it from the perspective of like but what you're applauding him for i could be all those things too and what you're applauding him for if he wasn't those things it doesn't make him any less of a person Mm. but do you see how your um intention wasn't any of the things that i just said it's that you were trying to be simple, like, no, he can take a joke. That's fine. But then when you introduce me to your sister, you can say, this is my boy, Rob. He knows how to take a joke. Hmm. Not because I'm a dude's dude. I just know how to take a joke. Fair. That is, Do you see that's what I'm saying? That's a great analysis, for sure. So when you start peeling that back, you realize that you don't intend to be misogynist, but what you've said has been layered on top of misogyny. And then your sister's seeing that going, do you realize what you just said? And you're like, no, because that's not what I meant. Yes. It's interesting, though, because you don't think about it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, like, you know, people who know me will know, like, one of my role models is Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and my sister pointed out to me, she's like, but he wears a robe and he wears pink underwear and he goes on and wrestles men all oiled up. Don't you see, like, that can be, like, somewhat erotic homophobia and i was like yes but i don't have a problem with that like i don't consider that person to react in any way that's like homophobic or anything that'll make me feel uncomfortable with watching it like i don't i don't see it that way as as you mentioned but also to that point that a woman could also do that and i would look at that and say ah i'll not watch it because could do those things doing it that's the Um, thing but what would you but that's the thing i guess the question there is when you apply things to what would a woman be who has all those qualities? How would you describe her? China. Chi- 
I mean, well, here's the thing. Who knows if China can take a joke? Also, R.I.P. China. Yeah, R.I.P. China. R.I.P. Yeah, China. Yeah. It's yeah. just we're bringing up everybody who's one night in China was crazy though. So, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but, but yeah. So I mean, it's funny because, and also I think that you know I always refer to Sissy as cowardly. So. You know, I brought up to, to Natalie when we watched boxing. We're huge boxing fans. Uh, sometimes we see the women fight. And I will say, stop being a sissy. Come on, fight. There's some people who just duck. And she said, ah, you can't use that word. But when I'm – the context that I use it in is, you know, you come up to certain scenarios and you run, you hide. Uh, you know, and you, you did mention that there are some feminine men who might run and hide. And I honestly – and I in that – Scenario, or masculine men. Or masculine men who would run and hide, and I would even say, "Stop being a sissy. Come on, fess up to it." I mean, you've also you mentioned like you've had you've had fucking some hairy experiences, you know, like growing up, and like Absolutely. you've had to, you've it, it could have shaped you one of two ways. Uh, you chose to accept what happened, and you make the most out of it. And you move on, and you take one on the chin, as you mentioned. I've had to do that. I've had my favorite Jay stolen from me multiple times. Uh, I've had people try to jack my chain. Um, and in that moment, I was a goddamn sissy. I literally couldn't get my shoes off fast enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, but like, again, with me in that context, it is a cultural thing as well. Mm. You know, growing up around downtown Toronto, playing basketball, playing sports, being in that environment. That's just something that you, we said, we said, all right, are you going to fess up to what you're doing? Are you going to face adversity or are you going to cower away? And if you cower away, you're, you are going to have that implication of the word sissy placed on you. Mm -hmm. But I never will look at somebody and say, oh, that person's a sissy right away because inconsequential if they're gay or not, I don't know that person. And it's funny, like the minute that, you know, I walked into uh, your birthday party, you guys were lounging, you were playing music, great tunes. And I told Natalie right away, I was like, see, this is the hang that I want to be in. I feel this is machismo. <laughs> <laughs> to the max and she's like this these guys and she said the same thing that you said you know some people will will laugh at it but i said this is exactly the kind of setting that i find myself comfortable in like you got music playing smokes going amazing drinks amazing food uh it was everything that makes me want to hang with quote unquote the dude's dude looking into it now i do know that there's a big difference with what that implication means and how yes. you handle the word sissy so, Crystal, I don't want to say that you're right. I want to say that somebody else showed me a much better way to view this outlook than what you have. But I will say from this point on, I might still slip up every now and again. I think Crystal <laughs> and also shout out to Crystal for talking to her brother, because I, I think in general, we all like I said, the conversation, I'm all about the conversation. But I will it's not say talking, this. it's more aggressive <laughs> fighting. <laughs> It, we, we bring up, like, really old bones from, like, years ago when we get into these conversations. Siblings. Siblings. Ooh. But I think that even more so than is look for it. Like, what I tell people to do is now, now that you have this way of unpacking things, when you're out in your day, just look for it. You mm. might be shocked. Like, here's one. Let's, let's go back. I'll, I'll make it. Let's talk about being a sissy for a second. Yeah. Pretty much cis gendered heterosexual men who have never um let's say had homosexual sexual relations <laughs> okay <laughs> technically they're all sissies mm. what's you can't your girlfriend wants to do a little something something and you can't because you're so so is it your manhood that's that fragile or you don't know how to take it i like, close up pretty quick see and see here's the thing if you start looking at um 
you know, something that's hot right now that's interesting that you bring that up is transgendered ap- athletes. Mm. This is a big uh-huh. topic. Oh, my goodness. So if we're going to talk about sissies, box. we're going to talk about sissies. Let's talk about transgendered athletes. There's this whole concern that uh, women who are transgendered are going to go into the Olympics and clean house because they are not uh, conventional women. They're not biologically women. They weren't born that way. Um, would that not mean that all transgendered men are going to lose? Uh, I don't get it. Well, think about it. If a, ma- if a man decides to transition and become a woman because yeah. they were actually always a woman mm-hmm. and then they become an athlete, so they can go out now and compete in women's sports because mm-hmm. they are a woman. Yep. But a lot of people say, no, they're not. They should be competing with the men. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. So that's just transgendered women. Let's talk about transgendered men. Okay. So yeah. if a woman transitions to become a man, yeah, does she get to go out and compete? And is everyone afraid that they're going to lose? I think in the terms of competition, there should be boundaries. For example, uh, Fallon Fox... The uh, the female transition to male transgendered male transgender male transgendered okay. male was M- breaking the faces off of women and density bone structure was completely different. Uh, I think the weight class was like between one twenty to one thirty somewhere in there, um, but she was just lighting these women up, breaking orbital bones. He. I'm sorry, I. Oh man, and you know what? <laughs> no, you're right. And this is gonna, no. I need to. I need no, but to be this is this is important. Guy. I'm going. There is a reason. We're gonna go somewhere with this. Yeah. But he was breaking the faces of all his women, woman competitors. Yes. Okay. Um, Why oh, was sorry. he there? Uh, he transitioned to a woman. To a woman. Was breaking the the other women's faces. Okay. Um. So she naturally felt. Like like a woman that that's the body that she felt that she was born into, mm-hmm. but and uh, I think in that terms of competition, I think that that's that that's not I don't think that that's right. But you think that's equated to her gender, not her strength. Absolutely, I think that when she transitioned, her her bone density was bigger. She was clearly more equipped to handle a punch and throw a punch and throw deadly punches that just it was hellacious it, it was almost like like you couldn't you, like i couldn't watch i watched some of the highlights on youtube I c- it was it was pretty difficult to watch okay so to then be, to be honest so then going back to that logic so technically throwing it back to r.i.p china so technically me and china could go in the ring uh in in the terms in the context of wrestling yeah so i could box her and i'm more equipped to take a punch than her so that would work out. Well, I mean, this is in the terms of wrestling. Wrestling's like pre-worked and, but I mean, but, like in terms of UFC. But, but no see, here's way. what. But here's what I'm saying. So if you're going to talk about that, we have to talk about the fact that there are millions of women that can knock out many other women and that are more equipped to take a punch. If you look at it, the division of strength and the division of weight and the other ways that we classify competitors, it's the same. No matter what way you cut it, there's always going to be alpha. I, I don't even want to use the word alpha because it's not even the right word. There's always going to be stronger people and people that are not as strong. Their gender, you could classify. I know many women 
many, many women that you do not want to take a punch from. You True. you do not want to be in the ring. It's a wrap. Yeah, Natalie sucker punched me a couple of times when we were boxing. She can she's got a mean laugh. And and that's the thing. And you can't tell me that her gender makes her more or less able. Because at the end of the day, even within the category of women, not all women are physically equal. You can't have, you know, why do they weigh weigh opponents? Why do they, why are there different divisions and different, uh, you know, why doesn't someone who's just getting into karate fight a black belt? It's, there's skill and there's training. And what a lot of people are finding out is transgendered athletes have been competing for years, but you don't know about them because one, they haven't been free to be who they are. And two, they haven't won everything. Because mm. it's not an un, and that's the thing. What's happening now is you're having transgendered athletes coming and speaking out and being like, "I haven't won a gold medal, and I have been competing for said number of years." And that goes back to 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 bring the whole conversation full circle. When you define a sissy, really, we all have different strengths depending on our training abilities, our skill, and I think in sports, we, when you say that transgender people can compete in the regular categories everyone has this vision of a woman like china who they always they always commented on her body and on her abilities like that regardless if it was fair they have a vision of this woman like china fighting kristen bell <laughs> kristen bell is not in the ring kristen bell has not been training her whole life there's no unfair advantage now if you find that there are certain people that are competing and they are way out of their league, it's time for a new division because mm. we are not all created equal. And, and it not in, in our value, in some people are just stronger than others. They train differently. They have different endurance. I know a lot of people that can throw a punch. I know fewer people that can take a punch. True. And that's the T. Like, at the end of the day, I think this misconception that gender innately gives you you know, if you look at the spectrum of transgendered people, they come in literally every shape and size. And so to say that it has to do with their gender, I know for a fact that I'm a man and there are many men on this planet I do not want to end up in the ring with. True. At all. And that has nothing to do with me being a gay man, a straight man. And, and to your point, you know, yeah, I fought a lot in high school. I had a lot of physical altercations because I was gay and I was out. I came out of the closet when I was 15. And I can tell you there's a lot of straight men that don't want me in the ring because I will take them right out. Mm -hmm. And it has, and that's where I say your gender. One of the, I was one time, actually, I had a lesbian attack me. And mm -hmm. it was a very bad situation. And I am lucky to have walked away from that. I'll say that. It has, and that's the thing is I think we're hyper-focused on gender right now. We're hyper-focused on what it means, but also it's peeling back those layers and looking at the language that we use and trying to figure out our own internal biases. And I think what your sister and what Natalie see when they see you use certain things is that you're attrib attributing it to um, how a man should be and how a woman should be. For example, I have a lot of girlfriends. They might carry heavy boxes when we're loading stuff in. I might ask them like, oh, you want me to grab that? I'm asking them as a person. I'm not asking them because they're a woman and I'm a man because a lot of my girlfriends could probably take me out if they really wanted to. True. And those kinds of things is you'll always see a man being like, let me get that for you. And it's not like, yo, you want me to carry that so you can carry this? It's like, 
Let me <laughs> let me get that for you, you hopeless woman with this big heavy box. Like really, that we're not doing that right now. Like you know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's See, my sister's true. the opposite though. So my sister, whenever I had to fucking cut that shitty fucking seven kilometers of grass <laughs> in my backyard that piled up as high as I am. She was always like, no, I'm a girl. I don't do that shit. But then the moment that I said, oh, yeah, you can play that fucking card. But when I have to talk about anything else, you you put on the, the feminist cap. It's like, why can't you help me goddamn cut the grass or shovel some snow? What? Bitch. <laughs> I love you, though. <laughs>